Thank you for that. Thank you for all the music, and thank you for being in your place tonight. A couple things is we, before we get into the message. For the Christmas gift for Jesus, we won't take a physical offering. You can still give if you weren't able to on Simple Give, or just put it in the envelope and write that it's for that. And then singles, I hope you'll be with us for the activity. We'll, we'll, we'll shoot to leave 10 to 15 minutes after the service. We'll have a bus over here, and so you can meet us over there. And then... Um, it, the, the children that are singing right after the service just come up here, have a brief practice, and I think we're having one on, on Thursday as well, and you're going to be singing on Christmas Eve. That <coughs> is going to be fantastic. We're going to look at uh, this song here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. I want to key in on a little thought here this morning, but um, <coughs> one thing we struggle with, uh, all of us struggle with, is discontentment, Right? We always desire to have more. Um, I taught, <coughs> years ago I taught uh, economics here in, the, in our school. Uh, Brother Esposito gave me that class and I thought, what did I do to, to make him mad, okay? Um, but I actually enjoyed the class. And the basics of economics are uh, your, your desires <coughs> or your wants are more typically than your resources, and economics is basically figuring out what am I, how am I going to balance those two, right? Our grandchildren, when it comes to <coughs> getting them Christmas gifts, we have so many of them now. What we do is we give them a budget. And we're like, you send us what you want, and they work with their parents, and then it works for us, by the way. It's like, it takes the surprise out of it. And then we order it, typically on Amazon. And so <coughs> all the grandkids were over after Thanksgiving, and I'm like, hey, you guys round up. We're going to have an economics lesson. I'm like, now, you know that budget amount I gave you? <coughs> Charlie comes up and goes, I'm one, I, I figured out what I wanted. I'm just $1 away from it. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't work that way. Okay, we're going to teach you about economics. You only have so much money, and you want more things than the money, so you got to figure it out. And said, and grandpa's not paying for the taxes. And grandpa's not paying for the shipping. <coughs> Well, they like, you know, well, we get it from Amazon Prime. I'm like, oh, the shipping's covered. So they're like, so how much do we really get? So then we taught them about taxes. And Charlie's like, but I'm already up there. I'm like, if you want to pay for the taxes, and then I'll get everything that you wanted. But the problem is we have unlimited desires. We want more. <clears throat> no matter what we get, we will never be satisfied, it seems. We're just discontentment. <clears throat> We're just discontented. And you know what's worse? It's worse because we, we, we live in a country where we are blessed beyond measure. Compared, <clears throat> compared to the rest of this world. And yet we still want more. There's an old Aesop's fable where, where a, a man was given the right to any wish he wanted at any time. He was told, whatever you ask for, you will get it. There's only one catch. Whatever you ask for, your neighbor will get twice as much. And he's like, I'm fine with that. And so, you know, <clears throat> he wished for a pot of gold, a lot of money. Boom, he got it. His neighbor got two. He wished for, you know, a, a, a beautiful house. Boom, he got it. And his neighbor got two. And this went on for a while, and eventually this man's greed got to him. And he was mad that no matter what he got, his neighbor got twice as much. So you know what he did? He said, I'll get back at my neighbor. 
And so he said, I wish that I was blind in one eye. Now, we laugh at that story, and I don't think we would do that, but it's amazing how mankind can be. We're blessed. We forget how blessed we are. <coughs> I read that as of 2022, if you have a yearly income of $33,000, you are in the top 1% in this world. Now, I understand we live in California, okay? I get it. $33,000, you could probably maybe eat one meal a day at McDonald's, okay? But I don't think we understand how, how, how good we have it because of how bad the rest of the world really has it. And so we're discontent. God does not want us to be that way. And so we can do that also in a, a spiritual sense. So in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, it's a song of Moses that's written before his death. And he is praising the Lord for who God is and all of the different things that he does. But he also, as Moses was preparing them to go into the promised land, wanted to make sure that they also were warned about, uh, about how they would be when they got into the promised land if they were not careful. And it kind of happened. Look at verse 15. I'll explain this first. He goes, but Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Jeshurun's a symbolic name for Israel. It means the upright one. For, for thou art waxed and fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteem the rock of his salvation. Now, I don't think he's necessarily talking about them physically. He's talking about the blessings of God. Everything they had, they had so much that he's picturing it as someone that's, that's so out of shape they can't do anything anymore. And they're going to complain about it. And then they start to forget some things. They were very fickle, the Israelites were. And they were going to turn from God. They're, the primary way they were going to turn away from God would be because of their apostasy, their, their, their idolatry and their, idol, their idolatrous worship. And then what would happen is then they would start intermarrying with the, with the people of the land that were idol worshipers, and then they would become idol worshipers as well. But that was not the only a foe that they would face spiritually. There was another foe, and that would be prosperity, that would be all the good things that were going on in their life. Look at verse <clears throat> Deuteronomy 31, verse 20. For when I shall have brought thee into the land, which I swear unto their fathers, <coughs> that floweth with milk and honey. I mean, it was just a land that was <clears throat> prosperous, and it was a good land. And they shall have eaten and filled themselves in wax and fat, then they will turn unto other gods and serve them and, pro and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about. Even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear. God says, I know what they're going to do. They're going to get everything I'm going to give them. They're going to be blessed beyond measure. And they're going to want more. And then they're going to start going away from me. And the song that I'm, 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 I'm giving them is a reminder and a rebuke to them of all this that's going to happen. And he says, the fact of the matter is, even right now, the seeds for that destruction are being planted in their lives. And so Moses wrote the song. 
So the message he gave them before he moved on to the, into the promised land is a message that we need today. Here's the, here's the thought for us. We must be careful that we love the one who is blessing us <clears throat> more than the blessings that he is giving us. Do you understand that? We talked about that this morning and the different things we need to serve God. If we just love God, that would be taken care of. But the fact of the matter is, when we love God and he takes care of us and he blesses us and our life is good, we have a tendency to love the blessings more than the one who is giving us the blessings. And God never intended for that to happen. God wants us to love him. That's why we need to remember that God is the one who blesses us. Maybe that's why he said when you pray, <clears throat> pray, give us this day our daily bread. Could it be that God wanted us to remember that he is the one who is the source <clears throat> of all our provisions and all of our blessings? So what happens <clears throat> if we were to become like them to where they got Really, they got spiritually fat. They got spiritually blessed to the point where they had more than they needed. There are some negative consequences that happen. Let me give you some. First of all, we will become spiritually unsuitable. Look at verse 15. He goes, thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art coupled with fatness. They were just paralyzed from a spiritual standpoint of being of any use and being suitable to serve God and be faithful to him. Because it was all about what they were getting. You know, give me more. Give me more. I want more. Instead of being thankful for that which, they, which God had given them. We know in 1 Corinthians, we've used the verses in, in 1 Corinthians where Paul, you know, you're running a race and, and we're supposed to be disciplined in our race. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 12 recently where, where you know, uh, uh, we're running our race and we have to be careful the, for the things that will trip us up. But one of the things that trips us up is that God takes care of us so well and we forget that God is the one that takes care of us. We struggle. We're not spiritually fit for our race. What bogs us down? Spiritual prosperity. You know, we have more spiritual resources at our fingertips in our generation than the past generations ever had. You remember, it used to, look, people didn't used to have a Bible. <coughs> It wasn't even until the, the printing press was invented that you could even have that opportunity. And even though we, the printing press was invented and the Bible was available, the, because of the dark ages, just by owning a Bible, you'd be put to death. I mean, having a Bible is a, is, is a big thing. We have more, look, I have, I have multiple Bibles in my office. I have Bible on my iPad. I got Bible on my, my phone. We have the Bible everywhere. It's easy for us to access, and here's the problem. The easier it is for us to access, it seems like the less that we access it. Right? We're blessed. We're so, we got so much. You can listen and learn and you, you name it. You can, get, you can learn spiritual truths anywhere, any time of the day. You can have the Bible read to you. If you can't read, you can just push a button. It won't be Alexander Scorby. You can get somebody else. And yet, what happens? We have no spiritual knowledge because we have, it's so easy to access. 
You know why we are? We're substituting the things from God for the God who gives us the things. You know, there's a whole segment <coughs> of Christianity that worships blessings. It's a prosperity doctrine. They believe that if you're saved, that you should be rich, you should never be sick. And I don't say this happily, but there's a, a huge charismatic church up in Northern California, and they believe this. They have a school of healing. No one should ever be sick. That's not God's will for you. Of course, their school closed during COVID. And unfortunately, and I don't say this with any joy because I know how I'd feel, his wife died of cancer. You see, because it's a false doctrine. You should, look, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be uh, rich. But if you follow God, you will be blessed. And it seems like the more that we have and the more that we have at our fingertips, the easier it is for us to go sideways. We know the answer to discontentment. That's just being content. Let's be just thankful for what God has given us. And when I mean thankful, not thankful that we have it, thankful to the one who gives it to us. Or else we're not suitable to run our race. <clears throat> Secondly, we can become spiritually unstable. Here's the bad part. <clears throat> Verse 15, the little phrase. Then he forsook God which made him. Isn't that amazing? God takes care of us. Good things start to happen in our life. God cleans us up. We head in another direction. We've got the chaos kind of cleared up. And, and maybe we're starting to have things that we didn't have before. And so we start heading for the things and we forsake God because we don't need him anymore. Right? Look, if you came to God from a bad background, I won't have you erased. I came to God from a bad background. By the way, that's the gospel, amen? And boy, your life was a mess, and, and your relationships were a mess. Your, your finances are probably a mess. Your whole life was a mess. Drama after drama after drama, and then you get saved, and God calms it all down. And you start serving him. And God starts helping you to get victory over these things. And now you're doing a little bit better. And you know what happens? We start to, I don't need God anymore. I got this stuff. And you start to forsake God. Be very, very, very careful. You're unstable now. You used to be stable with God, but now the stuff and the blessings are, and by the way, you know what happens? <clears throat> I'll mark it down. If you get to that and you step away from God, all that drama and all that nonsense and all that noise that was cleaned up, it's coming back. It's going to come back. The Israelites were taken out of Egypt. They were brought into the promised land. They were given all this good stuff, and then they forsook God, and guess what happened? Other nations came in, cleaned their house, kicked them out, messed them up, and now they're right back to the drama. Self-inflicted. We forsake God. We're unstable. <clears throat> One day we're ready to go serve God and give him our life. The next day we can't show up for church. <clears throat> we had a guy a couple years ago, he came, he came to church on Thursday night. I hadn't seen him in years. And he came to church, hey, I'm here tonight. I'm like, man, it's good to see you. I don't, when people come back, I don't like, where have you been? You know, I had the FBI looking for you. I don't. I'm like, hey, man, great, good to see you. He goes, you know what? I've just been feeling lately God wants to use me. I'm thinking of getting back in Bible college. What do you think I should do? And I said, you might want to start by just coming to church. Okay, man, you're all over the map. 
Let's take baby steps here. But we're unstable. Why? Because the blessings are starting to take over our lives. <clears throat> you know why we forsake God? Here it is. We don't need them anymore. I, I, I literally, I had, I've had people, I remember one guy very specific, he came to church, like, <clears throat> witness to him, he wouldn't get saved. I'm like, man, why are you here? He said, I'm only here for one reason, I think it'll be good for my family. I'm like, if you don't get saved, that's not going to do anything for your family. He didn't last very long. But sometimes we're saved and we think those things. <clears throat> well, I better start going to church because I got this, 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 this thing I need help with. Okay, and, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Are you with me? Right? It's a good place to go. But you know what we do if we're not careful? We come here to get the thing fixed. We don't come here to have a deeper relationship with God. And so once the thing cleans up a little bit and we don't have that really solid foundation with God, we walk right back out. Let's be stable. Secondly, uh, thirdly, <clears throat> we're spiritually unappreciated. Unappreciative. <clears throat> Verse 15, and we lightly esteemed the God of the salvation. In other words, he's a big deal, but not that big a deal. I mean, my estimation, it's not that, you know, I mean, used to be everything in my life. Now he's still something, but he's not as much as he used to be. Let me ask you this question. <clears throat> you, you, how does a person tell if maybe they're starting to trend in the wrong direction, right? You know, we like that. We're trending in the wrong, you see the little graph, right? It's like, it's trending in the right direction. It's going down, okay. Let's, let's, let's give you a spiritual trend. You ready? Here it is. You are trending downward when God just, is, just isn't as important to you as he used to be. Now just think about that. And by the way, all of us have to fight this in our life, right? I mean, you know, things are going well. By the way, it's so easy, so easy, so easy when things are going well to start to slip. I'm, I'm, I, that's me. That's you. And so <clears throat> we need to be smart enough and spiritually aware enough to know, hey, I'm starting to slip a little bit. You know, I, God's not as big a deal as he used to be to me, right? The Bible's not as big a deal to me as it used to be. I mean, I used to read it more, and now I'm reading it less. God used to speak to me, and every now and then I'd come to the altar, and as I jokingly say, some people wouldn't come to the altar if we had, if we had gold coins on the altar. I used, to, I used to, you know, I used to be in church, and, and I couldn't wait, and, and I loved the songs they sang, and I loved to sing, and I, I loved to be a part of all that's going on. Now you sit in church, you don't even pay attention. You're checking to see if your team won. By the way, I hope your team loses if you're doing that. Say, but pastor, I'm a Rams fan. Stop it. We don't want them to lose. Okay, I'm a Raiders fan. Go ahead and look at your phone. It's not going to make a difference anyhow. Oh, wait, I can't even say that. That was bad Thursday. Okay, anyway, we're moving on quickly. But you know, I mean, I haven't heard it. Years ago, we used to have a lady. She's sitting in the back row, and all through the service, she's playing video games. You know, galactic space chickens or something. Like, what are we doing here? Be very careful. It starts to get into us. You go throughout your day and you used to think about God and now he's, you don't think about him as much. <clears throat> you used to tell people 
that you were a Christian. And in fact, you may have even tried to witness to people, invite them to church. Now you wouldn't give them a track if someone offered you 20 bucks for every person you invited. You avoid time <coughs> with, with Christians who are a little more serious about their faith when you used to seek them out because you wanted people to, to that would sharpen you, right, and make you better as a Christian. The problem is when God <coughs> isn't important as he used to be and we start to underappreciate him, right? We do, that, we do that in relationships. We do that with everything. We used to be thankful for our job. Now we gripe about it. Used to be thankful about our spouses. Now we gripe about them. Used to be thankful for our kids. Now we gripe about them. Don't gripe them. Put them to bed early. It works. But you know what happens when we devalue God? We overvalue, listen to this, we overvalue the wrong things. See, something's going to be of value to me in my life. And, and when I start to, to lower the value of God in my life, I am inev I'm inevitably going to replace him with something else that's not as valuable as him. People do it all the time. We don't value the eternal, so we go for the temporal. We value ourselves over our families and our marriages. We value, we, we value stuff over relationships, pleasure over responsibility, our own desires over God's spiritual will for our life. And you can go on and on and on. And so let's be very careful that that does not start in our lives, don't let that creep in. Next, we're going to become spiritually unfaithful. You see, these could get worse as they go on, right? <clears throat> Look at verse 16. <clears throat> they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. That's, um, that's idolatry. That's a false form of worship. Now, by the way, it was... It was more prevalent in their time. Uh, most people in our country would not worship what we would say a, a false god. Most would worship what most people would call a, a brand of Christianity, even though it's not, right? They, they, may, they may go to a church that, that doesn't have the right doctrine. Their teaching is wrong. They claim, you know, to be some type of Christianity, but they have wrong doctrine. Now, this one's here. These were idols, and they were really bad. The, the stuff that was involved in this type of worship was, was, was out of control. And it made God jealous. Now, not <coughs> a weird jealousy where, <coughs> where, you know, well, did you look at that guy? That kind of nonsense. This was legitimate. By the way, the most hurtful thing you can do to a person if you're married is to cheat on your spouse. That's the, that's the most sacred thing. You can't do that, right? That's hurtful. If you want to hurt somebody, that's the greatest way to hurt them. That's, what God, that's why God uses that analogy here. You're being unfaithful to me. Just like a spouse was unfaithful to their spouse. That shows us how, how, how God feels about it. And by the way, our society has even backed off on it, right? You know, I know some of the different nationalities or whatever, that, well, you know, you know a guy's just gonna be a guy. God doesn't believe that. You know, well, just in our society, you know, you know, the man's going to stray. You know, remember Hillary Clinton said about her husband, you know, uh, he's, just, he's just a good dog that I have a hard time keeping on the porch. That's the president of the United States. He had other issues, by the way. It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing when we do that to God. Now, we may not go worship some false god, 
But what we do is we allow things in our life and we place an importance on them that's higher than the importance that we place on God. And that hurts God's heart. That's, that, that is very, very, very hurtful. Next, let's hurry. <clears throat> then, we're, then what happens, we start to replace God and we have idols and then we're spiritually unrighteous. Verse 16, with abominations provoked him to anger. You see, once <clears throat> we allow something else in our life that's more important to us, to God, we wouldn't say that we're worshiping it, but the fact of the matter is, if it's more important than God, then really, in a sense, we are, right? You know what that leads to? Wrong worship always leads to wrong living. Always. Always. When you want something less of God, and you place important more on the things of this earth or whatever it is, you're going to start living in an unrighteous manner. It just, I'm sorry, that's just how it works. You know, you can, you can, you can walk away from God, and, and most of the time people will just quit going to church, and then they'll blame it on the church. I always say, look, if someone leaves our church, go find another good church. But you know how you can tell sometimes it's not the church's fault that they've replaced God? is because they don't go to another church and they start living a different lifestyle. It's not righteous. It's not even trying to be righteous. That has nothing to do with us here. That does, that's your relationship with God. I don't try to live a certain way because for your sake, although I'm a pastor and there is a certain way that God says I have to live, I do it because it's for God's sake. And I got saved and I'm like, hey, this is what God wants and I'm kind of in on what God wants. And so it's very, very important that we, do, that we try to, to be right or else it's going to, it's going to affect. <clears throat> Next, we become spiritually undiscerning. Now look what happens. <clears throat> Verse 17, they sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not. These weren't just, these weren't just another church. These were, these were uh, really satanically inspired beliefs that they were buying into. You go ahead, read through the Old Testament, and you're going to see that they would offer their children as burnt offerings to their false god. Look, that, 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 came, that came from Satan. You say, Pastor, I am so glad that we live in a time that we don't do that. Really? It's called abortion. It, that's abortion. You want your immorality, you want, you want to play, but you don't want to pay. And it's not the unborn child's fault. Okay? Well, pastor, come on. My body, my choice. Absolutely. You have a choice whether or not to get pregnant. But humans <coughs> that have a shred of decency wouldn't kill an unborn child. But we want to keep playing. Some, some people think that's a form of birth control. But the whole point is, <coughs> these things are not, well, this, all this stuff that's happening in our society, all the evils of it, it's inspired by Satan. And, it, and, and, and when someone says, my body, my choice, I'm going to tell you where that doctrine came from. It came from Satan. 
What was Satan's doctrine? <coughs> what does Satan teach? What does Satan want? Satanism is not, and some people practice it, you know, on pentagram and candles and sacrificing kittens. That's, that's not true Satanism. True Satanism is a belief, and here's the belief, that you are God, in a, not a big G God, a little G, in the sense that you decide what's right and wrong for you, apart from God. Eve, God knows that the day you eat the fruit, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil, and that means deciding good and evil. He's like, hey, don't let God tell you what to do. Eve, you, 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 you be the deciding factor in your life. You be the one. And it leads to all kinds of unspeakable evils. So when you think of Satanism, don't think of a guy in you know, a red suit with a pitchfork and a horn. It's a, it's a belief. I've mentioned it before. We went to, <clears throat> I was out with Oscar door knocking. The guy told us, and he was a Wiccan. <clears throat> and, and I asked him what they believe. And basically, that's exactly what he said. We believe that you decide what you, is best for you. And that's it, apart from God. So they became spiritually undiscerning. <coughs> they bought into all of it. <coughs> and then they buy into, they become spiritually unproven. Look at verse seven. To new gods that newly, that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. I mean, whatever the new God was, whatever the new philosophy was, they bought into it, right? Have you noticed all the new philosophies in, over the years? You know, this person believes this thing and that thing and, and everything's new and it's totally unproven, but it sounds, it sounds good. Everything that we hear, <coughs> everything that's new or seems new needs to be filtered through the Bible. Are you, are, are you with me? Right? If it doesn't get through the filter of the Bible, throw it out. Okay? I mean, there are new things that have come into the church that are good. Right? I mean, there's things we didn't, we didn't used to have screens or television. You know, we had television here. We're watching football or something. And there, the technology and all that, it's, and there's some good things. But let's be very, very careful. We have these new philosophies that come in. And so all this new stuff, and it's not been proven. I like what David said. He was going to fight Goliath. And Saul, who should have been the one fighting Goliath, he was way bigger than anybody. And he pulls him in and says, well, if you're going to fight, let me give you some armor and let me give you some stuff and David puts it on you can note and you can just sense by the story it's clunky and David's like I can't use this I've not proved it but I know I'm pretty good with a slingshot and I know I've done some things and I know God can help me to take this guy out I don't need all this stuff I I want to go with what I know works trusting God and do what he says works and so the Israelites were going to go in and they're buying into all this new stuff let me just say this when it comes to church and buying into all the new nonsense going on. Our goal and purpose is to honor God. People say this, and I'm, I understand, I believe. You know, Well, we have to have a passion to reach people, and I do have a passion to reach people. But my passion to reach people cannot be superseded by my passion to honor God. Are you with me? Because if my passion is just to reach people, I can do some crazy things to get more people in here. But that's not going to honor God. It honors God when we try to reach people the way God said. You know how God said to reach people? Give them the gospel. Not have conversations about their wicked lifestyle. Well, you know, we're just accepting of <coughs> 
alternative lifestyles. <clears throat> By the way, this phrase irritates me, gay Christian. Since when do we take something that God says in wrong and we hyphenate Christian with it? You know, we have this plan to reach gay. We want to we hear their story. I don't want to hear their story any more than I want to hear an adulterer's story. Any more than I want to hear a fornicator's story. Any more than I want to hear a thief's story. I don't need to hear your story because I know what your story is. It's we're all sinners. I don't need to know. Sin, sin. And we got to follow God's prescription here. But that's the new, the new. anyhow, let's move on. <coughs> Couple more and we're done. <coughs> Next, we're spiritually unconscious. Look at verse 18. Of the rock that begat us, thou art, what's that word if you're there? Verse 18. Unmindful. Thou hast what? Forgotten. We forget God. They say, Pastor, that is so ridiculous. We, we're in church. How do we forget God? We don't forget him all the time. We start to forget him most of the time. Right? I mean, we leave church on <coughs> Sunday, and we live our life Monday through Friday, and we get so caught up in everything we're doing, we don't give much thought to God in that he's with us every day of our life, every minute of our life. God's more than just, than just on Sunday and on Thursday. You know, when the Bible talks about, you know, uh, we're supposed to pray without ceasing, that means don't stop praying. Does that mean I need to be on my knees all the time? No. He says we're supposed to meditate on Scripture, think about Scripture day and night. That's a long time. What he means is it, it just ought to always be in the forefront of our mind. You're driving and you think about somebody. Oh, hey, so-and-so, so I'm... I, they're going through this thing. And you could just stop by, while you're in your mind, just, Lord, Lord, can you bless that person? You think about scripture. Something comes up your way and it's like, what would God want me to do in this? Maybe it's something you read that day in your Bible and you just think about it as the day goes on. Not all the time, but it, it pops in mind. But you look at life through a spiritual lens all the time. Not just like the heat of the moment, but we forget God. We become spiritually unconscious of everything that he has done from us for us. And then lastly, <clears throat> this could be <clears throat> the most dangerous one of all. Look at verse 19. And when the Lord saw it, <clears throat> this little sentence in there, and when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them. You know what that means? He, he, just, he, just, he just despised it. The whole thing just made him sick. You know, God has feelings towards us. And God sees his people going away from them. And it's almost as if he says, and if you look at the history of Israel, it's true. It's like, fine, if you want to go for, away from me and you want to be on your own, I will let you reap the consequences of going away from me. I will let you reap the consequences of your decision. You say, that's mean of God. Well, God, number one, is not going to sanction our sin. And number two, it, could it be God wants us to get, he wants to get our attention? Well, maybe we see what's going on and we start going down this path and things aren't going well and it's like, God's like, see what happens when you're on your own? I'm here, do you want help? Do you really want it? What we want is this, and people, this is not Bible. We want to do our own thing, go our own way, but because we're saved, God sanctions it and, and has to bless it and we never face bad consequences. It's what our society is doing. You name the sin. They don't want to just be able to do it. They want to make sure that you sanction it. 
I'm not sanctioning their delusions. I'm not going to do it. Well, I think I'm a, a, a girl now. That, that's a delusion. Someone needs to love them. And, and, you know, we do these things like, no, no, God, God's under no obligation to, to do that. And we put, we, look, do you know there's protections when we follow God's word? Do you understand that? There are built-in protections. <clears throat> God doesn't even have to do supernatural things to protect us, although God may in some instances. But just the fact that we're following scripture, it's like a, it's like a shield from the wages of sin. And once we step out from that, what happens? We could be in a world of hurt. You ever see these? I've seen them before. These pictures of people who have died taking selfies. How many ever hear and hear about that? What they'll do is they're at the Grand Canyon and they'll climb the fence and get to the edge and they're going to do something stupid and take a picture and then they slip and fall. Well, the problem is when, when they climb the fence, you stay on the other side of the fence, it's all good. Okay? No one killed you. You bypassed a boundary that was put there to protect you. And when you did that, you're in trouble. By the way, you can go to the zoo and you can jump the fence and you can jump into the lion's cage. You know the only person that's going to be happy about that? The lion. Meal time. Okay? It's nobody's fault. You left the protection of being on the other side of the fence. Do you know there's great protection in that book? And once we start stepping away from it, because we forget how wonderful God is and how much he wants to protect us and bless us, we've put ourselves in a pretty bad place. What's the whole point? All of this starts because we, we're just, we take advantage of God's blessings and we start to step away from them and then we start to lose them and things get worse. So <coughs> what's the point? Let's make sure that we are appreciative of everything that God does for us. And let's make sure that when good things happen, like you meet these people sometimes, <coughs> it's like, they, they're too spiritual, right? Hey, this happened to me. Praise the Lord. That's the right thing. They're giving credit to the right place. They're trying to say, look, I don't want to forget God when everything's going well. When things aren't going well, it is so easy to grab onto God and hang on to him. What about when things aren't going, are going well? That's the danger spot. Hey, let's not lose it. Let's always be mentally focused on, that's God that did that. That has nothing to do with me. That's all about God. Let's bow our head and close our eyes <coughs> just for a minute. How about you today? <clears throat> what this message was or in the song that Moses gave to them, the message was a warning to them. They were about to step into the promised land and experience blessing in battles, <clears throat> in prosperity, in everything. More blessings than they had ever experienced, especially after coming out of Egypt, and especially after spending 40 years in the wilderness. And they were going to experience the good life. And Moses is like, be careful, because what's going to happen is you're going to soak it all in and get spiritually fat, and you're going to mess up. You're going to forget God. You're going to step away from God. You're not going to thank him. You're going to love the blessings more than the blesser. And that's always a step down. What about us tonight? You're blessed. You say, Pastor, 
I'm going through some struggles. It doesn't mean you're not going through some struggles. I get all that. But even when you go through struggles, isn't it a blessing to know that God's with you in the struggle? There's people in our world that are, that they don't know God and they're going through struggles without God. That's scary. But you have him. Has God done things in your life? Have you seen God trying to work? Do you think about the fact that God saved you? Don't take those for granted. Because that's when we start to slide. Let's stand together if we may. I don't know what God spoke to you about. Maybe there's a little area of your life you're starting to, to, you know. And by the way, we all need this. Because things will go well and we'll forget about God. It's like celebrating Christmas, but yet we forget about Christ. He's the reason for Christmas. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you come?